0: Content may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. WTF are you talking about? The podcast where we don't know what we're talking about until you do. I'm Katie. I'm up. And we're here to ask each other, what the fuck are you talking about? So here's how it goes. We have six categories of topics and the next episode's contents will be determined by the role of a die. The categories are true crime, paranormal, history and education, so, yep, science and technology. I got lost. Syphilis. Syphilis. <laughs> a whole category to itself. <laughs> Let me try that again. True crime, paranormal, History and education, science and technology, entertainment, and current events. We use an eight-sided die, so if you roll a one, you're going to roll a six-sided die for those same six categories, but mm. it has to be local, so Idaho or any state bordering Idaho.
1: And That's a lot you're... of land.
0: And it, it's a bit, yeah. Yeah. That's over over in the northwest here. That's
1: States almost...
0: States are large.
1: <laughs> Did I talk about the time that I said Jeff Bezos is, like, the equivalent of, like, was it, like, one and a half Idaho's in terms of monetary worth?
0: No, you did not tell me about the time you said that. Okay,
1: <laughs> it's because he's worth he's uh. worth one hundred twenty billion dollars, and I calculated the average household, and I calculated the average amount of people here in the states, and, and. Are you stuck? I fixed it by scaring you. Um, yeah, and I calculated the amount of people in Idaho, and I calculated their, their net worth altogether, and I was like, oh wow, he's worth one and a half Idaho's. In terms of, like, the actual income of the state. Prestigious. Yeah. I was like, that's kind of terrifying. Sorry, I interrupted you when you were talking about after the one, the local.
0: Right. So, local. And if you roll roll an eight, then you're going to... Nope, that's a wild. Then you get to do whatever you want.
1: Then you're going to
0: wild. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to pick something. You get a party with Jeff Bezos. And you have unlimited opportunities? Options? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There you have
1: it, folks. We don't know. (laughs)
0: We don't know what the fuck we're talking about.
1: Normally, we don't even know how to use words half the time. Actually, no. No. Like ninety percent of the time. Words are hard. Words are so hard.
0: <sighs> All right, Decker, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: Well, I'm so glad you asked, Katie, because I got a wild last time, which wilds rock. Um, you then if it doesn't matter if you forgot about something. like What was my category? Oh wait, I had a I wild. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um. So I got a wild in, I'm not going to lie. There are several subjects I wanted to talk about and I decided not to. Because um, a lot of them were very serious, very mm-hmm. serious topics, kind of sad topics. And I was like, you know what? I want to do a lighthearted one first before I dig into all that bullshit. Um, so, and when I say lighthearted, it's lighthearted because it's entertainment, but it's not a lighthearted movie per se. Because I'm gonna be talking about Scary Stories uh, to Tell in the Dark. Ooh. Yeah. Cause that's what I, I literally just wanted to go see that mm-hmm. one. Um so yeah, so let's I'm talk excited. about it. So, so Katie, I'm sure you already know, but do you know of the book series that it's
0: yes. based off of? I remember reading this as a child. My favorite is The Girl with the Green Ribbon.
1: What is the girl with the green ribbon? I don't think I've ever heard that one. So
0: she There's like a a boy. If I'm, I'm editorializing greatly.
1: That's fine. There's a
0: boy and a girl. He meets this girl, and she has, she wears like a green ribbon around her neck, and they become friends. And he's like, "Well, will you tell me? Like, will you tell me why you wear that green ribbon, or like, can I take it off or something?" She's like, "Well, no. You have to be my boyfriend before, before I'll let you do that." And so then he eventually becomes her boyfriend. She's like, "No. Well, we have to get married before you can do that." So they get married, and then later. I don't remember how far this goes, but it's that same, well, this has to happen before, I, before I'll let you take off my, my green ribbon. And eventually, I don't remember if she pulls it off or he pulls it off, but either way, the ribbon comes off and her head falls off. Oops. Because the green ribbon was was keeping her head on. Aww.
1: That's That's good. my favorite one. <laughs> so, my favorite one is... Uh, well, it's not my favorite one. It's the one I hate the most, but I thought it was, like, the best scary story. Uh, it was called uh, The Red Spot. Oh. And this was one... And it actually was in the movie. And I was very upset. I mean, I was happy. But I was very upset that it was in there because I hate that story. Because that story freaks me the fuck out so much. For those of you that don't know what The Red Spot story is about, it's a story about a girl that goes into the bathroom, and she sees that she has a zit on her face. But that zit is not a zit, and it keeps growing and growing and growing. And once it finally bursts and she pops it, it's a whole bunch of spiders Ah. that crawl out of her face. Ah. Yeah, I hated that one. So when I first started getting zits, I was like, oh my god, I'm going to die. What if these are spiders? And then I've heard stories about how spiders will, like... Uh, well, I mean, I think it's actually not spiders. A tarantula hawk uh, would actually kill tarantulas and inject their eggs inside of the corpse of spiders. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, if that's a thing, this could be a thing. And then I was aptly scared of spiders for a significantly long period of time. That does not say I'm not scared of spiders now. It just means...
0: You're not afraid of them crawling out of your I'm face. I'm not
1: afraid of them crawling out of my face. <laughs> so I hated that one. But that one was in this movie. I don't face. know if I would
0: want to see that visualized. Oh,
1: it was very well done. Oh, dear. I wanted to vomit. Oh, good. <laughs> I was like, I was part of me was like, I was fairly sick, and like, I was holding on to Jules for dear life because I was like, I told her too. I'm like, because we were talking about the ones that we remembered, and I was like, this was my favorite slash most hated one. I really hope it's not in here. And it was in the middle <laughs> Jokes of the on movie, you. and I was like, no. As soon as I saw, as soon as I saw, she's like, I have a zit. I was like, no, 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 no. And then of course it was.
0: So you, you might talk. Maybe I'm jumping ahead of you. Uh, how did they transition from story to story?
1: That is, yeah. Is there I'm actually gonna talk about that. an overarching? There is an overarching theme. So uh-huh, okay. let me go ahead and pull up all their names because I definitely could not take notes easily inside of a movie theater. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so how this works is the overall movie is um based in Pennsylvania. It's in Mill Valley. And I actually wonder if that... Is that a real place? We'll find out. Uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Uh, it doesn't actually exist. Okay, it's a fictional place. But, um, it's based in Mill Valley, Pennsylvania, where, um, in 1968, so this is at the time when the draft was happening, which is going to be important for some reason later on. Uh. For some reason. No, I mean, it makes sense as why it's important. I just don't know why this was the, why this was some sort of weird character arc. But, was that me? It wasn't me. It was me. Sorry about that. Um, but it's good. I had the sound still on from when we did Starfinder earlier. I didn't um, disable it. Um, I was like, I disabled my phone. Um, but yeah, so it's in Mill Valley, Pennsylvania, and it's happening around the time of Halloween, of course. Naturally. You know, in, during the summer for us. Um, I always find it weird. I don't know of any scary movie that's come out in the summer that was actually truly scary. You know what I mean? It's like how some, like, films, like, where, like, they're they're not necessarily blockbusters, but they're supposed to be big films and they didn't get released on time. They'll mm-hmm. always, like, fall into, like, the early or, like, late winter time frame, like, after, like, all the Oscars have been announced, because they're trying to get into, like, the next bracket.
0: When was, let's see.
1: Are you thinking, like, The Conjuring, or?
0: I was thinking about Amityville Horror. Oh, Amityville Horror.
1: Amityville Horror. Amityville Horror. The book was in September nineteen seventy seven. What about the movie? Which one? Uh, Is it the, uh, the original?
0: The original and then the second one. So
1: nineteen seventy nine and two thousand five. Let's see if we can get any specifics on it. Release date was July first of nineteen seventy nine for the um the first one.
0: And, and, then and then the remake. The remake. Does it just say two thousand five? April
1: fifteenth
0: of 20- 2005. Okay,
1: so it's not the spring, not even summer. Yeah, I always find when, interesting when horror choice. movies get released out in the summer because I don't normally think of them as being like massive movies because most time they wait for the, the scary season, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I'm sorry, I'm like here a bit. But anyways, this movie's out, and then uh, it focuses around um, a someone who loves writing horror stories and her name is Stella and her friends, Augie and Chuck. And it stands for August and Charles, I believe. And they're playing a prank on a school bully named Tommy Milner, um, who is think of your token asshole in horror movies with like young kids. Like these, these are kids that are clearly like the bully. Uh, they're like maybe ages 15 to 17, right? So they're fairly young. Like, mm-hmm. they might even be, like, just recently in a high school. um, But they play a prank by getting a whole bunch of horrible-smelling stuff into, like, a bag. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, they also have a bag of dog shit, apparently. Cool. Right? Because they're like, this is how we're going to get back at him. So while they're trick-or-treating, they're walking around, and they know the exact route he takes. And, like, I guess he always has to take candy from kids in this one area. So he made sure that he had a huge bag. So it looked like he had a hell of candy and was holding up far away from himself while he was walking to where, of course, when this asshole drives by, he grabs the bag, pulls it in, right? Or one of his friends grabs the bag and pulls it in. And they're rummaging through it. And they're like, Oh, this smells horrible. And then, um, the boy's pissed. So he backs up to try and come get him, And then, <laughs> uh, Chuck lights the bag on fire, throws it into the car and it lands on the bully's crotch, mm-hmm. effectively, and of course, it causes him panic and he crashes. And so the the story is basically focused about um, it tries to if, if it's focused on getting back at the bully, but the bully doesn't he's not around very long, so it seemed like a weird character arc. But what happens is they go and they find a spooky house afterwards. After they they're running and they're trying to avoid him, they find another character in a drive through, and his name like
0: a drive through. Like a restaurant drive through? Yes. Okay. You said drive through, and my brain thought drive by. (laughs) In a drive by. Very different things.
1: Yeah. And they run into Ramon. And he's kind of a drifter, and we find out later on that he's been dodging the draft. So, and that's why I said it's important to know this is going around the Vietnam era because. Otherwise, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. So. They run away, and they go to this haunted house. And the haunted house is focused around a girl who has never, ever been seen because her pictures and everything have been wiped off out of existence by the family that was housing her. So they know of her, and they have scary stories about her, but no one knows exactly what she looks like. And they go into this house because they want to experience Halloween, and they're trying to be all creepy. Uh, And they go in there, and as they're investigating... One of them, Chuck, being the person he's he wants to try and play a trick on um, Augie, which again uh, is the other friend. So uh, Chuck is the goofball. Think of him as uh, who am I thinking of? He's the smart mouth kid that says all the smart things, and he's like, "This is bullshit," and like he even says like, "Let's not go into um, the." haunted house because when he goes into the cabinet and he or in the closet and he opens it he actually enters a different world so it's like Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe except for oh shit there's actually a witch <laughs> um, I don't want to go through that wardrobe yeah. so he goes back and he opens up the door and all of a sudden he's in this he's in this red room and this keeps coming up over and over again and it like what's weird is that the haunting hasn't even happened yet but he goes in this room and he shuts the door and then he opens it and he sees a Doberman and what I think what looked like a Doberman and an old lady and this old, uh, old lady is just sitting there and then she turns to go look at him and then, of course he shuts the door and he starts freaking out because he's you know he hears footsteps coming up closer and closer and closer and closer and when the door finally opens of course it's Augie so it's a fake jump scare mm-hmm. right and that's the thing this movie had so many jump scares oh. and I'm very jump scare sensitive as you know, Me too. I move the world when I get jump scared. It's true, so, you do. Yeah. And Jules was laughing at me pretty much the entire time. Because like none of it was scary, but the jump scare since I responded to him so actively, mm-hmm. she's just trying to stifle her laugh.
0: That's why I prefer to watch those kinds of things at home.
1: Yeah. So, um but uh Chuck is freaking out because he's like, dude, something's wrong here. Like, I was just in a totally different area, like something's wrong, we have to get out of this house. And when they go to find Ramon and Stella, they finally found access to this hidden room that was behind like a bookshelf, like typical like Scooby Doo kind of bullshit. Where like they hit like this lever and all of a sudden it just moves. They can slide the door open. There's a deadbolt to lead to like a back room. And what was really interesting was she walks around this bookshelf. It's not very wide. It's maybe about. I want to say six feet, like, in depth from, like, where the bookshelf starts to, like, where, like, the end of the wall is. Because it's, it's like a a pillar is the best way to think of it. But they open up this door and she can, there's a whole expanse of rooms and stuff down there. And, like, it kind of doesn't go at a steep angle down. It goes more forward than down. So it's like, this doesn't make any sense. How do you enter this room? Because there's, like, architecturally it's like how my stairs in Starfinder were right it didn't make any sense but somehow they got to this whole other room and then there was more locked doors and they kept showing how Ramon I guess could pick locks because I guess that's what you I don't know it didn't really give a backstory as to why he could pick locks other than like it's just he just can pick can. locks yeah for reasons and he does it with uh, a like a ball What what are those fancy pens fountain pen yes with like the 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 metallic curved tip, like a, like old school, a
0: calligraphy pen.
1: Yeah, because uh, Chuck has one for some reason.
0: That might be maybe that is just a fountain pen.
1: Yeah, and he opens up that way. And then the other thing is he then he takes a switchblade and he opens up a lock with a switchblade. Right. A padlock with a switchblade. Okay. A padlock with a switchblade. Witchcraft. I know, I was like, how does this fuck?" No, 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 actually, no, here's the best thing. Sorry, I totally forgot. He hands the switchblade to Stella. And Stella picks the padlock. Is it that easy to pick locks? I, I don't know. Have I you-
0: mean, I haven't tried, but I get the gist
1: it's not. Yeah, because you have all these pins and whatever, and most... I mean, they're no- they should be more secure than me. I just inserted a random object, and I can open it, because... I don't know, really, it's just—it's really just made out of freaking Play-Doh on the inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, that was really weird. But they went to this room, and I guess the haunt that starts, and I say haunt, which now makes me think of betrayal. Betrayal, yeah. Uh, the haunt starts. <laughs> Actually, you know what? This is a great, this really is like a betrayal game come to life, just with less fun. Oh, no. But they go in there, and they, they find this book. And they're like, oh, this was her book. This was, and I guess her name's Sarah. This was Sarah's book. And and her name's Sarah Bellows, because it was the Bellows family that was hiding away Sarah, that they just never Mm -hmm. seen her ever again. And they, she gets it, and the the rumor is that if you ask Sarah to tell you a story, that's the last story you'll ever have. Yikes. So basically you're asking for her to write your death sentence, right? And so she gets this book, and then the bully comes back, right? So his name was Tommy. Yeah Tommy comes back he locks him into the room and he I guess he's Tommy's with Chuck's sister because they were on a date so she was in the car I actually didn't realize that there for a hot second but she was on a date with this total asshole I didn't understand why like he he was so much of a dick that there was nothing redeemable about him whatsoever. And it was like how like every ba- you know every bad horror movie they have that one b- asshole guy and mm-hmm. there's no redeeming qualities of him. Because he just has to be the asshole guy. That's so lackluster to me. I never find that fun.
0: It's yeah, the typical like teen scary movie trope. Yeah.
1: He's just a total shithead. And his Had- character choice was really bland too because he was just like this was effectively how he talked. He's like I'm going to do it again. You better get out of that car. (laughs) Okay. I'm coming for you. No yells. Just like, it's like my jazz voice, but kind of gravelly because I can't quite get there.
0: You sound like, uh, Roz Roz. Monsters, Inc.
1: (laughs) Mike Wazowski. Yeah, and so that part wasn't fun either because I'm like, I'm not, you're not amping up tension for me. And anyways, they get locked in this thing and then. Stella decides to while having this book and the story goes like you know you're not supposed to ask Sarah to tell you a story she has this book and she's like tell me a story and flips the page okay so she does that and all of a sudden there's a huge gust of wind and shadows get darker and Sarah lets them out of the book no, 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 uh, so they got locked into that hidden area behind the bookshelf. She lets them out. Oh, okay. Oh, and I'm like, okay, I don't know why you've done this. Well, the winds have changed. I must let you out now. Yeah, she was like, okay, fuck, let's do a story then. Get out, scram, I'm working on it. I need my creative juices flowing. So, <laughs> so she kicks them out of their room, and when she goes, uh, everyone goes back home, and during that night, Tommy is the first one to be haunted. And most people don't make it out alive from this movie. And by that, I mean, like, they get... So weird shit happens to them. But Tommy... It's a little bit more sinister than Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So Tommy is... He gets home. I guess he's drunk. Jules pointed out that he was drinking uh, while hanging out in the field. Because there's a scarecrow he hates called Harold. Do you remember the story called Harold? Uh, yes. Okay. I
0: don't remember specifics, but I do remember the gist of it.
1: Yeah. So... He hates the Scarecrow Herald. He goes home. His mom's like, go, Tommy, you're supposed to go deliver eggs at like midnight to some house? And he's like, now? And she's like, now. I'm like, first off, no one wants eggs at midnight. No one wants like, I want a fresh batch of eggs over the house by midnight. Maybe like at 4 a.m., but...
0: No, I, mean, I don't want to. Maybe
1: before, it was yeah. that late. I mean but I didn't Maybe I would out. want to eat eggs at that time, but
0: I don't want to take an egg delivery at that time.
1: Right. And so he goes out to go get the eggs, and then when he comes back out, all these dark shadows move into the crop field where he's going into. Of course, that's where Harold is. And he really hates Harold to the point where he always beats him up every time he walks by. And so he does that again once he walks by. And then Harold all of a sudden teleporting around, like every horror movie villain does. And don't get me wrong, I I don't like the teleporting bad baddies, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, I'm just, I can be wherever I need to be. But for me, that's just, it's very hard to pull off successfully. Because for me, I'm like, at that point, I'm like, oh, they'll never get away. This isn't scary the now. point? They're, like, it's just like, they're just going to die. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, the point of horror is like, you, you don't know if they're going to make it out. Mm-hmm. But if you make an enemy that's all powerful and can be everywhere at once, that's not scary. Now it's just like, okay, how are they going to die? So, well, and I think that's how like, like, alien... Gets it done very well. And I think Brynn brought up the thing, too. Yeah. Where it's not a teleporting enemy, right? It's just you don't know what the entity is. It's Mm -hmm. that mystery of, You don't know what it can do and what it can't do. You don't know what it can do, what it can't do. All you know is that when it's around, people can die. Sometimes Uh people can get away, but then you don't know if they actually got away. But did they get away? And so it's, like, this constant suspense of, like, well... The fear of the unknown is But the problem is, like, once these stories start, you, you die. Yeah. So he goes into the crop field. He's walking around. He sees the scarecrow, and he's like, that's really weird. I Maybe I'm lost or something. Keeps walking, and all of a sudden you see this, the pillar without the scarecrow on it, and he's like, that's terrifying. And all of a sudden you hear the, he the wood creaking, and then all these enemies walk. It's actually, you know what? All except one walk. And it's, you know, because it's trying to be, like, really imposing, right? Like, you're never going to get away. It doesn't matter how fast you move, I'm going to get you. Like, you can run, but you can't hide, bitch! (laughs) (laughs) So Terry scarecrow was great! Um, But eventually the scarecrow catches up to him, and he stabs him with a pitchfork, and the pitchfork turns him into a scarecrow.
0: So now there's just two scarecrows.
1: No, the other scarecrow's gone. Oh. Okay. And you see, like, all of a sudden, Hay comes out. And the the way they pulled it off was actually, like, visually it was kind of freaky, because you see all this hay coming out and he's trying to like keep it out of him. He's trying to pull it out to breathe and he can't breathe. And he's running and he's crawling and he's almost to his house, but then he's just a scarecrow there on the ground. And then all of a sudden he's back out in the field. Um, but he's a scarecrow now. So
0: is that like some sort of a curse? Like you can't get the curse off of you until you give it to someone else?
1: No. You have been chosen to be the new scarecrow. No, no, you're just a scarecrow now because that was your story. Because you hated Harold. Oh, Okay. So that was the first story and they find out about this and like, shit. And then the girl's like, oh no, what have I done? And of course everyone's saying, this isn't a thing, right? Because it's only happened once. So like, he's probably just ran away or he went to go. To, he was just signed up to join the army. He was really excited to go and, you know, fight some people. But then his other, so that day passes, the next day happens. And this story spans like a month. Because by the end of it, it's election day for when Nixon's getting elected. Okay. And it's starting on Halloween, right? So it's like. Wait, right, it doesn't. Election November? Day, yeah, it's like the end of November, right? If I recall correctly. No, it's, it's like, like
0: early November. Is it
1: early November? Yeah. I think okay, so. well, then it's just like a week or two. But, um, anyways, they go back to school, and then they all are very disbelieving, and then the next haunt happens. The next haunt happens to Augie. And it happens to Augie where. Uh, This story is called The Big Toe. And The Big Toe is where... The uh, first
0: Tuesday after November 1st is when...
1: Cool. When Election Day is. I don't know. I did not pull up the calendar to figure it out. But I'm assuming that... Then that means it only happened for like three days or it happened for like eight. But I'm gonna assume probably the lesser one because that makes more sense. But... So Augie gets home and there's a stewing for him in the fridge. At this point... Uh, the girl. Uh, the girl, when Tommy was dying, she saw a new page that she hadn't seen before, and it kind of freaked her out at first. And she's like, "That's weird," and like the ink looked fresh, because I guess she could smear it. She could smear the page.
0: It makes me think of Tom Riddle's diary. Right.
1: Exactly. That's kind of the same thing I got too. But then she, she actually has the book open. And she sees it writing itself, and then she sees. That's spooky. Right. I know. Like that's kind of a freaky concept because you're seeing it happen. But it's happening so far in the future, because the story is written, and then it happens. So, for me, it would have been great, what would have been really good, is to see it happening as it's being written. hmm Because the problem is, is, like, they have, like, the whole story starts getting written out, or it's, like, halfway done. Then they have time to call someone and be like, hey, don't do said thing, and the person, every time, well, uh, at least in... Augie's case he was like nah it's not gonna happen he's like I have stew here even though his parents said they didn't make stew and even though everyone's like saying don't eat the stew he's like I'm gonna fucking eat the stew and then he accidentally eats the big toe ew and in this story uh this corpse comes back to life looking for whoever's taken her toe so now that he had it. Also now he's hearing these voices. She told him, "You're like you're gonna start hearing voices once you do this." And he's like, "I'm not hearing any voices. It's whatever." And of course, he eats a toe. He hears voices. The corpse comes inside. It's a slow walking corpse. It teleports around a couple times. He gets underneath the bed. He's looking for the corpse. Can't see it. As soon as he starts to crawl out, the corpse is underneath with him the entire time and pulls him underneath, into nothingness. And by that I mean they went running, gone. They went right into his house and they got there just after it happened. And they moved the bed aside. And there was just claw marks. And the claw marks went into the wall. Oh. And he's just gone. So he's not dead.
0: He's just gone. He's just
1: gone. And so I was like, okay. Well, that one wasn't so freaky. Because the other thing is, it happened so fast. And because it's trying to do multiple stories. Because, again, the arc is going over this major curse. And Sarah wrote these stories. Right? She told talked about these scary stories. So... They start doing some investigations now because, like, we gotta find out how this curse is working and how to break this curse, because I guess everyone's now doomed. So they go to the library. They start looking up some information. They find out that Sarah had found out that the Billas family was poisoning all the water supply with mercury and killing oh, people. Oh shit! And the original stories supposedly were her trying to tell them. She's trying to tell these stories about what people were doing um, with the water. And when something happened to someone, it was basically like an indirect way to tell a message about all the mercury poisoning that was happening. And of course the family found out that she was telling people, and so they sent her to an insane asylum and basically made her insane.
0: Hmm.
1: Which is not the first time an insane asylum comes up, because we're about to get to the next one.
0: Well, it's it's almost like the stories are hallucinations hallucinations. from the mercury poisoning. Yeah,
1: except for like, uh, one of the stories is the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. And it talks about her, I think, her, her father going with her brother hunting. I don't know the whole story of the Wendigo. But, um, I mean, I know the mythology of the Wendigo mm-hmm. and how it happens. But, but
0: that particular story.
1: Right. But they go hunting. And I guess after after she had gone insane and disappeared, the rest of the family disappeared. And, like, no one knows what happened to the family. They're just gone. Uh, but they start doing some investigation. And then while this is happening, they um, explain to... Chuck's sister Ruth. That this Chris is happening. Of course, Ruth is disbelieving, just like Aggie, and she's like, "I have a play and or musical what uh, I'm doing. And guess what musical it was? Bye, Bye Birdie." Oh
0: God! I was my I had three guesses. <laughs> it was it was Grease. My next guess was Guys and Dolls, and then my third guess was Bye Bye Birdie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was Bye Bye Jules. I just heard it go. Oh my God! <laughs> like that classic. Right, so, bye-bye, Birdie. So she goes to do it, and of course, the zit's getting worse and worse, and this is getting to the one I hate the most, which is called the red spot. She goes running into the bathroom, because one of the girls, she looks at her, and she's like, you gotta take care of that. And I was like, well, what an asshole, why didn't you just fuck her, help cover it up? That's what makeup is for. Yeah. And so, of course, she gets all self-conscious, she leaves, when she goes into the bathroom, um everyone's seeing the story being written about the red spot and they're like oh shit oh shit oh shit it's about because they thought at first it was about chuck because they thought he was the red spot and what's funny is chuck several times now he's been afraid that it was going to be him at this point because like he hears about these stories and he already had the first weird experience he's the one that first experienced the weird shit Mm -hmm. but he had went to go take a, a bite of like like a fry with like some ketchup and he got ketchup on his shirt and so he thought the red spot was back. He's like, oh shit, oh shit, it's coming for me. What do we do? And then he's, and then it said, a girl. And he's like, wait, I'm not a girl. And then they saw Bruce's name, and he's like, my sister. Oh shit. And so they all go to the sister, and by the time they get there, they hear screaming because her zip popped. And, well, actually, what what happened first, which was probably grossest thing, was that a little leg came out. And it looked like a hair. Oh,
0: no. It looked like a hair.
1: And so she looked at it, and she started, she's like pulling it out. And then it got to here, and she's like, and she's still trying to pull it, because she's thinking that it's gonna help her pop the zit, right? And all of a sudden she pulls out further and that touches her like mm. this. And then you just see it, you just see it break out and open up. That's and... have you seen Black Swan? No, there's a scene. In I know there, that one's a thriller where she's
0: there's a scene where she's picking at her cuticles uh-huh. and then she gets a piece and it goes all the way up her finger. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. Those are the
1: worst ones. That's always my fear Um. But yeah, so it pops out, and all of a sudden, like, literally hundreds of spiders come out of her face. And they hear the screaming, they go inside, and they see all these spiders in this place. And Chuck goes and runs back, he grabs a bucket of water, and chucks it on her to wash all the spiders off of her that were all over it. and she was covered in a massive amount of spider bites. Right? And, like, you could still see, what was really gross was, like, you could see the wound of, like, this gaping hole on her mm-hmm. face from where all these spiders came out. And that one was really fucking gross. And she went insane. And you find out... I would too. After one day, the guy's like, she's been committed to an institution forever. In one day after going to the hospital. Like between nighttime and the next day. They... What? That doesn't seem right. They took her to the hospital, treated her, and then got her committed to an insane asylum. After one day? That's called you don't want to deal with it. Right. And so she gets sent there and he's like, I just lost my sister now. And it's all torn. And fast forward through some other shit, they do some more investigations, they actually get like a wax phonogram, and it was because re- I guess it had a whole bunch of nodules on it, mm-hmm. but you could play it and it was like on a phonograph. Yeah. Right? I've never seen those before, but it was really interesting to see because then you hear the voice of Sarah, and then you hear right when she breaks and she's like, let me tell you a story. And then she starts reading off Chuck's story. Oh no. On the phonogram, and then you see it being written off as well, I was like, that was kind of a cool... Way to like slip that in there, almost as if it was like predetermined, like, like final destination, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now in order to get to that, they were inside. They went into a a sane asylum. They snuck in there because they were going to try and um see if they could get some more information about her records. All right, so they snuck in there because they said it was said it was going to take like six weeks to get these records. I'm like we don't have that kind of time because everyone's dying every day or disappearing. <coughs> Excuse me. So they go to inside of there. And they he sees the red room, which is uh like the records division,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So R E D, and he's like, it doesn't the room doesn't have to be red for it to be the red room. I'm not going in there, and so he's like, I'm gonna go hide. So he goes up an elevator, uh, because he doesn't want like, to get caught by the other staff while they're listening, and and he runs by by some attendants, which of course are like asking like, hey, do you need some help? Are you okay? And he just starts hauling ass, like just trying to hide from them. And then you hear them say, sound the alarm, and I was like, oh, great. It's going to be one of those where, for some reason, the alarm turns everything red because it shuts on the power to everything. Sure enough, that's what <laughs> happens because he goes up to the floor, and all of a sudden, every room is red. To which he's like, oh, fuck. Well, shit. Like, I would have been safer there. Mm-hmm. And so um, you see this really fat, like, monster creature come out, and they just do the slow waddle again. Like, this very slow walk. Like, you're never going to get away. Just accept it. Except for, they keep, like, first there's just one monster, and then when he's looking in multiple directions, he sees two on either side of him, then he sees another one at the end of the hall, so there's three, and he sees four of all the exact same creatures all walking towards him, and he's in, like, this, like, square corridor. So he's, like,
0: trapped now. Yeah,
1: he's, like, trapped. And then basically just, while it did this scene for way too long, it should have had them, like, move faster and faster towards him when there was more of them, Mm -hmm. to make the scene seem a bit more freaky, because the scene lasted, like, for two minutes of just watching this thing hobble its way towards him and eventually when it gets really close to them like it hugs him okay and he goes inside the creature ah
0: like, like absorbs and he's him. like
1: yeah absorb yeah okay and then you just see the creature standing there just like and it had the, the, the biggest grin I wonder if I can see it let's see um let's see scary stories is all in the dark hugging monster hugging monster <laughs> I want to find it. Oh, it's this thing. Yeah, this thing is so freaking gross. Yeah, because here's here's him in the red room, and you can see right behind him. Right, there's like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, there's the creature back there. Right, so you can see like oh, it, like, it oh, looks, ew. Yeah, it looked really gross. It's a freaky, look. like I thought that monster was kind of freaky, but like <laughs> when it zoomed in close enough to it, to where like you could see like all the like there wasn't a lot of detail. It was just kind of bland. It, it looked semi laughable, but he, yeah, they basically just hug him. He disappears. They find this fountain They're like, oh no, they got Chuck. And so, the very end, eventually, they go to the police, or they're taken to the police, and it's found out that. What did I say? His name was Rory? I don't Ram- think said Ramon. This. Okay. Ramon. Well, so. Ramon. Okay. Well, yes. Him. Ramon, the drifter, right? The guy that's dodging the draft. Mm-hmm. He gets taken in, and the cop's like, I knew you were up to no good cuz I guess the cop was like following this guy. It it just shows his interaction once. He's like don't leave town because his car got all messed up from Tommy cuz when they went to the house he vandalized his car. Right. So cuz they were not the remember they were to the drive-in, right? Uh-huh. So I skipped that part where they actually drove up to the house and then when Tommy got there and left, he ruined their car or uh, Ramon's car. Okay. So that's where the cop got involved in the beginning where so
0: they were at a drive-in, not a drive-through.
1: Yes, yeah, sorry. They were at a drive-in movie theater watching um oh gosh does it actually say in here it was a classic scary movie it doesn't say it that's a bummer but it was like it was supposed to be like a classic one but um Ramon is like they get put in jail and then you see the officers start flipping through the book and he sees the story starting to be written or not not, he doesn't see the story sorry he swipes his feet like he feels the blood just like how Stella did Mm -hmm. in the beginning and he's like, this is weird. And he's like, what the hell's going on with this book? After they already explained that this book is cursed and stuff. And you might assume, is this thing going to be really stupid where like the cop does nothing really and then just dies? You'd be right. That's literally what happens. Oh. Because all of a sudden, Ramon's story is being written and he can hear some movements and stuff. And he, For some reason, Ramon just knows that it's about him. And he's like, it's about me. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And he's like, I think it's going to be the jangly man. And all of a sudden, like, th- what... That's very specific. Yeah, and I guess the jingly man is like a, uh, a living entity that can like fall apart and recreate itself at will. Okay. So all of a sudden, there's a chimney in this like, it's a very old school. I was like, there's a chimney station. in the man? And no, 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 no. The police station has like this chimney and a head falls out and rolls over. Of course. And it played up the scene way too long. It's where it had, it had a dog growling at the chimney and then the dog of course runs away indicating, oh shit, I'm too afraid to fight this. The police officer sees it, and he shoots the head six times in the head because he has, like, a revolver. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm all out of bullets, and I forgot how to fucking reload my life. Um, And the gentleman's, like, laughing. And this was probably the creepiest creature of all, because it had great sound effects, weird abstract movements, which I always love in horror, like, when something, like, does not move correctly. Like, think of, like, the grudge or, uh-huh. like, the ring, where, like, they just kind of, like, uh, what's the word, contort themselves. Uh-huh. And the head falls down and also all these other body parts fall down. And then it reforms itself and it snaps the officer's neck. And the officer's like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And then just dies. <laughs>
0: guess I'm going to die. But here's the
1: thing. Like, that whole scene lasted for 10 seconds. Which means after he shot it, the body parts fell down. He saw it forming itself. He just stood there and was like,
0: oh, shit. I, I guess this and
1: is it. And then you see this thing just go, just snap his neck. And he just dies. And I'm like, that's dumb. Like, because... The problem I always have with movies that do that is you know realistically no one in their fucking life would st- just stand there. Well, they'd, be, they'd be- I mean you could be paralyzed with get, fear, yeah. but this is an officer who reflexively shot this thing in the head. hmm And I have a feeling that he wouldn't just be Just stand there. Like, yeah, it'd be weird, but yeah. I like to the think the thing of the personal story. Ben they didn't train him today. for this at the
0: academy. Yeah,
1: so he dies, and then the jingly man starts crawling through some, trying to get through the bars to this guy. They escape, and then they decide the only way to fix this is to tell Sarah's story back to Sarah. Basically, tell Sarah's story instead of her, them her telling them a story. So Stella goes back and gets teleported through time. And I mean that she goes to the house, and as soon as she opens up the book, all of a sudden the house goes from this decrepit area to. Nice and lavish and refurnished. And you see that the book's on the ground in the real current time. But Stella is in the past. And how
0: far in the past?
1: Where Sarah's family was. Before oh, the disappearance. Okay. So she's reliving Sarah's life. Yikes. Yeah. So she goes there and she hides away. There's some other stuff I'm missing, but it's not really important. And eventually she gets back to Sarah. And then takes her back to the present. Because it just had to take her to the past so she could see people throw her into a room. That's literally all that happens to Stella. So she doesn't die or disappear. She just gets taken back to Sarah's current... Where she, her room was in the present day. Because when she gets there, it goes back to normal. That she's not, like, trapped in the past or anything? No. She's just, here's a room. Yeah. Okay, bye. Yeah. And then Sarah, you see Sarah walking up to her, like, all, like, freaky. Like, I like to think of, like, how the, uh... You know, the... Creepy hand things in uh, Ocarina of Time. Did you ever play Ocarina of Time? I thought you said you did. Okay. Um, There are these... And when you go into the well to get the lens of truth, there are these weird entities. You only fight, I think, four of them in the entire thing. They are very bizarre. Let's see. Um,
0: Oh, I think you've showed me these before.
1: uh, Where
0: the body is like a weird hand. Am I thinking? Nope.
1: Okay. Never mind. Uh, that's a wall master or a floor master. Maybe I have showed it to you. I'm out of time. Oh, let me see. Uh, uh, um, uh, it's the well enemies. It's not a Gibdo. That's the mummy one. Is it the infinite hand? I think it's the infinite hand. Infinite hand. I should know, so the, Oh yes, here we go. Found it. So here is these things. I hate these things so much when I was a kid. Oh yeah, they're really fucking gross. Ew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how it works in Legend of Zelda is uh, it's basically you see a hand, and the only way to start the fight and leave the room is you have to walk up to the hand to let it grab you, and then you have to try and escape as this thing comes out of the ground and starts walking towards you, or oh, really thanks. just kind of to sliding towards you. Cancelled. Yeah, I'm like. I remember the first time that that happened. I just saw a hand in the room. I was like, I don't like this. I
0: don't want to do this. And I
1: knew I was like, I have to go up to the hand. Do and I was like, and that's a great way for horror, right? When you're locked in a room and you're forced to have have to go to do something, and you know it's not going to be good, but there's nothing else you can do at that point. I always love that stuff because then that's where you get really suspenseful because you're like, I know this isn't good. I know this isn't good. But I have to do it anyway. But I have to do it anyway. Um, But she starts waddling towards her and stuff, and then she's like, Let me tell you a story. And then Stella's like, No, let me tell you a story. I'll pass. And then Stella tells her a story about about her life and everything that she has learned. And she's like, let me tell your story and please let my friends go. And, you know, you've already taken so many of them. Don't take, you know, Ramon because for some reason I've only known him for three days and he's not the love of my life. Because that's how life Naturally. works. Right. I, the power of boning is strong. <laughs> um, and she leans in and she's like, write it in blood. And she gives her the book. And then she pricks her finger and starts writing it in blood. And it starts showing up in the book in the real world. I mean, even though the, she already has... That was the other thing, too. Ramona has the book. but She also has the book. In that, present time. So I two of these books.
0: That... Okay. Okay. That seems she like She writes out a the story.
1: She's like, I promise I'll tell I promise I'll tell And she tells the story. And then she's like, you gotta let go of all this rage. And then she's like, sure. Rah. Yells. Disappears. For the <laughs> last jump scare, which really wasn't a jump scare. It just was a very loud yell.
0: That's one of the problems that I have with movie theaters is that everything is so goddamn loud.
1: The silence is key with scary movies. Uh-huh. The silence. And like, I, mean, I don't need a, I don't need a freaking like, um, Arco marks on a freaking <laughs> string violin. I don't need, <laughs> eh, 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 eh. I just need silence. And sometimes if something happens while there's silence, that can be freaky. Like, that's one of the reasons I liked uh, Gravity so much. Those things that happen were so quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But then when something hit, I also need to have... You'd get some sound, maybe, depending on if it hit with something that had, like, you know, something for uh, sound to travel through. But that's pretty much how it ends. And then she, um, Ramon decides to go into the army and accept the draft. Uh, Stella is with her father, and they are driving away to go figure out how, it's set, it's set up for a sequel.
0: Well, that makes sense, because right. there were at there's least three. two of oh, the three.
1: Yeah. And so they set up for a sequel, and then she's like, "I'm gonna get my friends out of this book. They're not dead because we didn't find them dead, so we can f- set them free." And then you see behind the back seat the girl that was insane forever, except for she's not.
0: But she's no longer committed. Yeah. So, she's in the back so
1: uh, seat. Chuck's sister Ruth is now in the car helping them, and they're driving away into uh, in a forest. And then that's the end of the movie. This is the worst town ever. Yeah. So honestly, and I had. Uh, Jules brought up a good point which is like what is this movie built for in terms of a horror movie I'd give it a five it was average there were some really cool scenes I thought some of them were very clever but a lot of things were overplayed typical tropes I really hated the antagonist that didn't really exist for a long period of time but what would have been really good is to have the antagonist last until the very end like that's why I liked it so much was you have the you have the clown and then you have the uh, oh my gosh I totally forgot his name but uh, I think it was not Billy what is it you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah. The asshole kid. Yeah. Um, that like starts carving his name into. I've forgotten all their names, <laughs> but um, yeah. Like he was great because he was an antagonist with the clown, and the clown actually teamed up with them to have stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you get rid of the main antagonist, there's nothing left. Now it's just the horror, and when you show the horror is all powerful, there's no more suspense. Because it could be that it's the horror mixed with this guy trying to get back at these kids for giving them, like, shit.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: actual, like, little dog shit. Um, so, but in terms of, like, a movie for what it's geared for, because like, it's PG-13.
0: And it's based and, off of books that were allegedly for children.
1: Yeah. It, that, that one story really messed me up for a long allegedly.
0: time. Allegedly? Those, I'm pretty sure that those stories are... Allegedly. Yes. Pretty sure that those stories are responsible for messing up a lot of people from our generation.
1: <laughs> hmm So, for me, I just... Uh, I would say for preteens to young adults, maybe this would be scary. Maybe it's because I've seen plenty of scarier stuff. Mm-hmm. That this one was not that scary. And also because it was pretty much riddled with jump scares for the scare. Yeah. The only thing that was kind of freaky was the jangly man. Because that one actually was fast- and could fall apart and reform. And I was like, that's kind of cool, because, like, he pinned it up against a truck, and he, like, tried to struggle for a bit, and he's like, why am I struggling? Right. And he just fell apart, and then he just came back together. That was cool. Uh, the Huggy Monster? That would have been great if the, the Huggy... The Huggy Monster? That's what we call Makes it. Makes it
0: sound like he's made of diapers. The Huggies Monster.
1: It's very absorbent. <laughs> um, but what would have been great is, like, maybe the Huggy Monster is also, like, semi-quick. Or, like, to put it in, like, a very tight area where, like, it can get really close. Like, once it starts grabbing on, it, like, slows them down and starts pulling them in. Right? And, like, show them, like, maybe being potentially able to break free. or like, all of a sudden their hands are stuck. And, like, now it's like, oh, well, now what do I do? Like, if I put my foot on it, now my foot's gonna get stuck. and Right? Mm-hmm. Have some sort of tension where there's a potential to get away. Because when there's no longer a potential to get away, there's no longer fear. You're just waiting to see how they die. Yeah. At least in my opinion. And that's why I love... The thing, mm-hmm. the thing I think is a great movie. So because... if you
0: already know the outcome, it, then the how you get there just seems less important.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, depending on how it's set up, though, because like the Chernobyl miniseries, that starts with the ending and then goes through like the events of Chernobyl. Yeah. But the way that it was done, as you're going through, you you already knew how it was going to end. But the way that it was done, you kind of had a sense that, oh, maybe it could turn out different. But it sounds like this was like, this is how it's going to end. And you're like, oh, OK, mm-hmm. let's just get Yeah, there. And this
1: was done by um, Guillermo del yeah. to- Toro. Mm-hmm. And I don't recall most of his other works. Blade. Oh. Oh. OK.
0: He's also done some other things. But,
1: not just he's not just
0: responsible for Blade.
1: Yeah, so for me, I think the movie I would see it at the dollar movie. That's what I would do, or uh, rent it from a Red Box, or watch it on Netflix and watch it with some friends while maybe drinking a beer, like how Jeremy Johns always says, uh, "Always a good time if you're drunk," mm-hmm.
0: right? But, I mean, he's done good movies,
1: like this one. Just Hellboy. Yeah, I don't like all powerful entities that can also be everywhere. You can either have an entity that can be everywhere that's not all powerful, or have an all-powerful entity that um right, but that you can get away from. Like there is a potential to get away. You have to leave some sort of opportunity there. Otherwise, the opportunity's gone, for me, you've you've lost me in the audience because I'm just like, they're dead. This isn't a horror movie. I'm just watching people die. And uh it wasn't like torture porn like size.
0: Yeah. He's a very interesting List of things he's done here. Yeah,
1: that's what I was talking about, though.
0: He did Kung Fu Panda three. There was a third one.
1: Apparently. So it was Kung Fu Panda one, and then Kung Fu Panda. Oh, Panda. My mouth. Kung Fu just Panda. Like, I natural wonder on my speech.
0: Well, yes. Usually, if there is a three, then there is. Generally, a one and a two.
1: Direct to DVD. Well, no, I like. I knew the two was that was one we fought fought the stork, right? Or like the weird crane thing that was like. I don't my, remember. My fireworks are powerful and will kill you.
0: It looks like he did Kung Fu Panda two and Kung Fu Panda three.
1: I liked two. I liked two. Um, but I didn't know there was a third one.
0: He also did The Hobbit.
1: He did the first Hobbit.
0: All three of them. Oh. Pacific Rim. Blade Two. Yeah, yeah, look at that artwork.
1: Like, this one is—I guess this one's called Blade. the Pale Lady.
0: Yeah, the artwork from that those books were fucking yeah. scary.
1: Like the red spot, dude. The red spot always gets me, man. So, Katie. Yes, Decker. What the fuck are you talking about?
0: Well, I... I mean, I guess you could say I went for something lighthearted. This was something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. It's been on my list because I think it's just super cool. And then there was a thing that happened recently, which was super cool, that I was like, you know what? It's time. I finally have a science role. We're going to do it. So we're going to talk about the giant squid. Okay. So the giant squid is a deep ocean dwelling squid that can grow to a tremendous size Due to deep sea gigantism. The recent estimates put the maximum size at about 43 feet for females and 33 for males.
1: 43 feet. Mm -hmm. So that's about less than eight, that's seven and a half of me. Or not, no, no, it's about seven of me laying down. Because I'm six foot. Six and seven is 42.
0: That's probably about eight and a half of me.
1: Yeah, I know. I feel so weird to think about. I was like, if I were laying down yeah. straight, that's a lot.
0: I do actually have a picture of a guy laying down next to one.
1: Oh, that's good.
0: Um, and that, so that measurement is from the posterior fins to the tip of the two long tentacles. And that was an interesting thing. They only have two tentacles. The rest are arms. They have different functions.
1: Do you, what's the difference between a tentacle and an arm on a squid?
0: I will tell you about tentacles later.
1: Okay, I'm just curious, because... I think tentacles, you always think, like, octopus... Yeah, you
0: think it's, like, all of them. But, yeah. So the giant squid is the second largest mollusk. And the only one that is... So that makes it the... It's one of the largest extant invertebrates. The only thing larger is the colossal squid. uh, And that may have a mantle, which I'll tell you what that is in a bit. uh, A mantle nearly twice as long... And there are also several extinct cephalopods that may have been even larger. They just, they're extinct, so we don't know. Sure. Deep sea gigantism, also known as abyssal gigantism, is the tendency for species of
1: abyssal gigantism. I love the it. The abyss. It sounds like it belongs in D and D.
0: Well, that's that's the the city that Brendan and I told you we were from. Abyssum. Oh. oh yep. Okay. I lost my place.
1: Sorry. Abyssal. I have a tendency right.
0: to do that. Abyssal gigantism. It's the tendency for species of invertebrates and other deep sea dwelling creatures to be larger than their shallower water relatives. So we have squid all over. They aren't all fucking enormous. Uh this could be because the cooler temperatures of the water, food scarcity, uh, reduced predation due to being in deep water. Mm-hmm. Um also the or it's it's hard to study this and figure out what exactly it is, because it's really fucking deep. Right. So...
1: Like a slam poet.
0: Yeah. These, it's kind of conjecture, because that's one of the interesting things about these creatures, is that humans don't really encounter them all that often.
1: Really? I'm on land. I thought I would have seen one by
0: now. (laughs) Look, there goes one down the street. Oh man, it's
1: flying now. (laughs) So the mantle
0: is the cavity of the body for a squid. And this helps, it's kind of...
1: Right, it's like that, like, before the tentacles, right? It's just kind Yeah,
0: of and animals. it's it's not necessarily like a bone, but it's like a structure kind of thing. Because it's, I mean, they're an invertebrate. Right. But it uh, helps them have a shape, I Is guess. Is it like cartilage
1: almost? Where it's like malleable, but it has sort of I don't think so.
0: I don't think it's quite like that. Okay. But it, it helps protect them as they move through the water. And it also serves as a place for them to maintain the nutrients they take in for their survival. The mantle of a giant squid is about six feet, seven inches long. Um, more for females, less for males. Because the this is a species where the females are larger. Uh, and the length... What?
1: I was looking at your battery just to make sure it was okay. Oh, no. It's so fine. I just realized that you weren't plugged in, so... No, no, it's fine. Sorry, continue.
0: Don made sure it had a good battery life.
1: Yeah, your computer's doing really awesome.
0: I really like it. It's so nice to have a working computer. <laughs> it's the best birthday present. <laughs> uh, right, so mantle of a giant squid is about six feet, seven inches long. Mm-hmm. Uh, more for females, less for males, because this is a species where the females are larger. And the length of the squid, excluding its tentacles, but including head and arms, rarely exceeds 16 feet. So that's where, you know how you'll see where there, there's the arms, and then there'll, there'll be two that seem longer? Yeah. Those are the tentacles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, claims of specimens measuring 66 feet or more have not been scientifically documented, and that fits more with a description of a colossal squid, which there are only just a few known specimens, and current estimates put its like maximum size around 46 feet long. For okay. um, and that's just based based on the specimens that we've seen that we know to be smaller um. Immature Mm -hmm. specimens. So full grown ones could be really fucking huge. But even at, you know, 46 feet long, they still estimate that it would weigh
1: 1,650 pounds. Eight tons? Yeah. That's, that's heck. That's like. So make, that's. That's that's like five trucks.
0: uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And that is why that it is the largest known vertebrate or invertebrate.
1: Um. How. how deep do they live? Very. Cause I, like, I know it's like mare- almost Mariana's Trench deep. Yeah,
0: I didn't. I didn't look up the the whole thing because I. I. That's the thing I want to do is I want to go through deep zone or dark zone animals. Right. when I was, I think I was in fifth grade. I did a project on. We had to do a project on something.
1: That's one of the things I'm always curious about is like how.
0: And I I chose dark zone animals because. Of course I did, high and I made like a a poster about all of these things, and that was hung up on our linen closet in my house. Oh my I swear to God, until I graduated high school. Wow, <laughs> my terribly rendered hand drawing of an, ang- an anglerfish was across from the bathroom for years. It was cool. Anyway, pretty freaky.
1: Yeah,
0: and this wasn't a great drawing, so it was also freaky. Super freaky. <laughs> yeah. Irrelevant. Uh, the number of different giant squid species has been deba- de- debated, 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 uh, but recent genetics research suggests that there's just one species.
1: Okay.
0: In two thousand four, Japanese researchers took the first images of a live giant squid on its in its natural habitat. In. I think two- I saw that one. In 2012, a live adult was first filmed in its natural habitat off the coast of something I can't pronounce and I don't want to try. In 2015, another video sighting was released. And then in two, June 2019, scientists reported uh, a video appearance for the first time, and for the first time in Waters of the United... Or for the second time, and, but for the first time in Waters of the United States. And it was a a giant squid in its deep water habitat. And we will talk about that later, because it's super cool. So the squid has eight arms, and they all have suckers along the length of it. They also feature just two tentacles. So they have eight arms, two tentacles. So they have ten little appendages. Hmm. People assume that the arms are on the wrong end of the squid. So they think that the fin at the end of it is actually the head. However, the head is actually located really close to the the base of the arms and the tentacles. Right. So, yeah, it's like where the... You, you can't see head I mean, my I get, head like, the head
1: because it's like the pointy it's, Yeah,
0: but that's, it, that's like a hat, I guess. I like to
1: think of Carlor's head in the ocean. <laughs> but that's like
0: a real great uh, metric for yeah. all of these people. Uh, it, 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 it... So it's like... If I just broke if you, off. if you If you make a, a jellyfish with your hand... yeah. Your fingers are obviously the arms and tentacles, but your knuckles, that's actually where the head is, not up at your wrist. Right. Yep. Giant squid have small fins at the rear of their mantles, and this is used, they use these for locomotion. They are propelled by jet, which means they pull water into the mantle cavity, and then they push it through the siphon in gentle rhythmic pulses, they can also move quickly by expanding the cavity to fill it with water and then contracting the muscles to jet water through the siphon super fast. So the whew,
1: squid. It'd be like, you know how like we use our lungs to breathe and then we use our body to run? But instead we were just breathing.
0: Yeah. <sighs> like if you just
1: <sighs> into the water and just like... It's boom. like if you're, ba- if you're really just a balloon at that point and you just like let go of the air. Yeah, they're just kind of big squishy balloons, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> big squishy balloons. balloon. The
0: sea balloon. A giant squid breathe using two large gills inside the mantle cavity. And the circulatory system is closed, which is a distinct characteristic of cephalopods. So like other squid, they contain dark ink used to deter predators. The eye of the giant squid is about ten the point... The eye? The eye, like the eyeball. Do
1: they have only one eye?
0: They have two. Okay. But, but they match. <laughs>
1: gotcha. So the, Cyclops squid!
0: The eye of a giant squid is about 10 and a half to 11 inches across. It's about the size of a beach ball. And I have a picture for you.
1: I don't think I'm like ten and a half. It's like... Is that like how wide your head is? So here's... There's oh a, my god. It's
0: a picture of a woman next to the eye of a giant squid in a jar, and the eye is slightly smaller than her head.
1: Yeah. Is that the pupil?
0: Yeah. It's real large. I'd say the pupil is probably about the size of my
1: fist. Yeah. No, that's accurate. Yeah. I like her smiling. She's like, <laughs> look at this. She's like, island. oh, look at eyeball. It's cool. Seems like that should be a picture for like some sort of uh, collegiate level advertising.
0: It does. It looks like a, like, come join our marine biology program. Yeah. Uh, so, so, they're super giant, and they're similar to, like, sacks of liquid, kind of. And I remember when I was in ninth grade, in my biology class, we dissected a squid. And I, the eye was super weird because it was hard.
1: It mm-hmm. wasn't
0: squishy like our eyes are. But so the, the reason is that it's like a sack of liquid, and then when the squid dies, the liquid leaks out, and they just kind of, like, collapse.
1: Mm.
0: So the, their eyeballs just, like, deflate.
1: Oh, sad eyes. Uh, these
0: uh, soup, these large eyes are very important because they are excellent at helping the squid detect predators. Uh, at their, you know, their size, they don't have a lot of predators. Uh, it's mostly sperm whales. Sperm whales. Uh, that's basically its only predator, with the exception of. There's a theory that pilot whales may also feed on some giant squids. And then um, deep water sharks are known to feed on the juveniles when they are much smaller. Mm. Uh, it, giant squid are also colorblind.
1: Makes sense. Because uh-huh. they probably just need to see light.
0: Yeah, so their, their big eyes are good at detecting motion of specifically large things. Sure, they're big. Which they're a sperm whale big. is very, very large. Oh, and
1: yeah. Just j- jettisons away.
0: I think a sperm whale and a colossal squid and a school bus are all about the sameish size.
1: So what do they feed on again?
0: The oh. the squid or the, the, the squid. whale the
1: school bus. Uh, <laughs> they <laughs> Not feed
0: on school bus. They feed on other fish.
1: Oh, okay, they feed on whale. <laughs>
0: Uh, they also have very sensitive smells. Nope, very sensitive senses of smell, taste, and touch.
1: How does smell work underwater?
0: I don't know. I mean, I
1: get, I, I mean, it makes sense because, like, it's hard for us to quantify because we breathe air. So uh-huh. smelling water equals death. But See, well, I don't know what
0: Because the I know that our sense of smell is very, very distinctly linked to our sense of taste, right? And vice versa. So I don't know if it works the same with their system. I didn't look for that. Right. But yeah, I was wondering and I was like, if somebody tells me that they have a very good sense of hearing, I quit.
1: <laughs> I, I would get that I mean, hearing I like King of Dolphins, right? And since water's so um water is very great for transferring changes in press pressure. Right. Because mm-hmm. the, the 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 medium in which energy can transfer through it, like, can be easily amplified, which is why you want to be very careful, like if there's something that uh Let's say there's an explosion in the water and you were like underwater, yeah, it would definitely blow out your ears. Oh, yeah, dreams.
0: but that doesn't seem like some like something that you would need in such deep water,
1: right? The, the only thing I could think of would be like instead of like hearing, like in terms of like hearing sounds, uh, oh, duh, I mean, that's how hearing works, but like, smelling I, uh, sounds, right? Smelling sounds, delicious. Uh, what I was thinking of is like the sensitivity for changes in like motion and movement like you know how you said the eyes can see motion mm-hmm. but be able to feel the disturbance of the water.
0: They can but already do silly. that though because they are so sensitive to touch
1: right. So maybe like the touch basically took over for hearing
0: but that's kind of my my assumption is that these other senses are so sensitive that they didn't have a use yes, I know that they didn't have a use for hearing because I mean what squid aren't gonna listen to you.
1: that's yeah. what I'm gathering. This is rock music. yeah, rock knobster.
0: So now the tentacles are covered with suckers, and these suckers are lined with small teeth. Are they dum dums? No. They're. They're sharp as fuck. Uh, the the teeth are small pieces of chitin. Okay. And they leave very distinctive scars that can be seen on the body of sperm whales, as they are their main predator. <laughs> now, and I have here. This is a piece of Take that Moby Dick sperm whale flesh that you can see has, like, perfectly circular suction oh, marks on it. That's All over, yeah. And it's... I was imagining them like, stop, 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 stop,
1: stop. It's
0: super, super common to see these just all over sperm whales. So that, you know, leads me to believe that they fight a lot. Um, so for comparison, you have the giant squid, which has the tentacles... Or the, the suckers lined with small the small teeth. Mm-hmm. The colossal squid, um they have that as well as sharp hooks, some of which are fixed, and some swivel. Meaning like, they're not know. gonna let go. And then others are three-pointed. So they're meant for. It's me. a real yeah. fucking sharp squid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're my friend forever now. You're like a needle squid. So like when they fight them, do they just kind of like grapple and like just try to hold on to them? I don't them, know or, like... because
0: I've, no one has actually ever seen a squid and a Maybe whale we haven't had, like an MMA having ring an for encounter. like a squid. And... Yeah, it hasn't hasn't happened. Welcome to the to the water dome. <laughs> so the the scars would suggest that the giant and the colossal squids often fight with sperm whales. And the number of colossal squid beaks that are found in the stomach of sperm whales would suggest that the sperm whales win more than the squid do. Uh, though colossal squid are encountered remarkably rarely by people.
1: That'd be really weird if someone just like found like your mouth. Like that was <laughs> oh, all over my that's all that's left is just yeah. your your lips. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I just want one more kiss. No. Uh,
0: so. Even though they're super, the colossal squids are super rare to see. Rare for people to see them. They are thought to make up about three quarters of a sperm whale's diet.
1: So they must grow pretty quickly, then, yeah.
0: This is and this is specifically in the southern Southern Ocean. Okay. The squid regularly show up inside sperm whale stomachs. Approximately three hundred and sixty thousand of these mammals swim in the ocean. So that's the sperm whales. So if every sperm whale on Earth ate an average of one giant squid per month, that means that 4.3 million would be eaten annually. But there are experts that think that this number is way too low.
1: Right. That seems fair, because one a month. So
0: every single day, a male sperm whale eats 300 to 400 squid of various types, of various species, while females consume... Seven to eight hundred squid.
1: That's a healthy diet.
0: (laughs) So if the giant squid represents just one percent of that diet, then whales eat three point six million daily. So that's one. uh, Sorry, one hundred and thirty one million giant squid eaten annually. There's a lot of squid down there.
1: Yeah.
0: The bottom of the ocean is scary because it is unknown.
1: Yeah, we haven't mapped it all yet. It's like Mm -hmm. space, but closer to us.
0: Yes. A giant squid corpse found in Canada in 1968 had a partially regenerated tentacle. And according to a study of the specimen in the Canadian Journal of Zoology, the regenerated club differed in length and width and in the size and pattern of suckers when compared with the normal tentacular arm. And many other cephalopods besides squid are capable of regenerating limbs. Dums. Like, thats a thing the octopi can do.
1: I want to do that.
0: I don't really want to be in a situation where I lose. I mean, lose yeah. Soon.
1: But should the situation present itself and all of a sudden I lose a hand, I'd like to get the hand back. I'd like to be like Deadpool, where I get like a little baby hands. I mean, for a like. A the... mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Quiet. Like all squid. The giant squid has three hearts, so there's the central heart, which is the larger, and it circulates the blood through the body, while the other two hearts that are smaller work to supply blood to the gills. And something else that was a little bit weird is that parts of giant squid will show up in the stomachs of giant squid, so it suggests two things. Could be cannibalism? It could be cannibalism or it could be that they accidentally ingest parts of themselves
1: oh that's a part of me
0: I'm, I'm guessing as they're, me. Like, they're pulling things into their beak and um, 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 fingertips except it's not fingertips it's arm tips and tentacle tips
1: yeah it could be that or maybe they're confusing the squid for sperm whales by accident I don't think so squid are 100% more
0: tentacly than a sperm whale right
1: I just have really bad eyesight here in this dark water they could just see movement can they see no they, the they can or? see
0: more than movement
1: okay. but
0: it's their eyes are very very good at detecting like I'm imagining
1: like Jillian level vers- versions of sight where I can see stuff but I can't discern what it is
0: <laughs> I mean a, a giant squid might see better than Jillian mm.
1: that's so sad
0: each tentacular club is divided into three reasons regions three reasons three reasons why you should have a tentacular
1: club locos pathos <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there's the carpus, which is the wrist, if you will, the menis, the menace, or the hand, and the dactylus or the fingers. Mm, my dactyls. So it's but it's all one. So you've got wrist, hand, finger.
1: If my hand scares you, do they become pterodactyls? I'm sorry.
0: Decker has been canceled. <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> the show Decker has been canceled. <laughs>
0: So the carpus has a dense cluster of cups in six or seven irregular transverse rows. I don't know why I'm doing that with my hands.
1: That's okay. I'm thinking of the stacking cups when you said that.
0: (laughs) Not quite. Cups. Cups. Okay. Then the manis is broader, and so when you look at a tentacle, it it does get a little bit bigger at the end. Mm -hmm. And so there's the manis, which is broader, and it's closer to the end of the club, and it has enlarged suckers in two medial rows. And then the dactylus is the tip. And that's the base of all the arms and tentacles are arranged in a circle surrounding the animal's single parrot like beak. As similar to other cephalopods, such as other squid and uh, octopi. Yeah. Where there's just like, yep. The giant squid doesn't have a typical tongue inside its beak, though. Instead, it has a muscle called, or an organ called a radic- radula? Radula, yep. And that is covered with seven rows of denticles, which are sharp, toothy, backwards-pointing protrusions.
1: Supposedly no escape.
0: Ow. Yes. And I believe I have a picture of that.
1: Man, these things are awfully...
0: (laughs) ...pricky. Yeah, this is a picture of sharp things from a squid.
1: Oh, and where's that at?
0: I believe those were teeth, but it, those could be on, so it's, the, on the inside of the beak. I think so. Do
1: you prevent anything from swimming away. Yeah. Oh man, damn. Yeah, I just reminds to like swimming away if like that whole area was fish hooks.
0: Yeah, they, they're <laughs> scary You're gonna lose a lot of yourself. They're sharp and scary. Giant squid and some other large squid species maintain neutral buoyancy in seawater. Through an ammonium chloride solution, which is found throughout their bodies and is lighter than sea- than salt uh, seawater,
1: and this chloride. Okay.
0: this differs from how most fish maintain their buoyancy, which because that's a, a gas filled swim bladder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, this particular solution
1: tastes somewhat
0: like salty black licorice,
1: okay,
0: making it generally unpleasant for human consumption.
1: I mean, I like black. Licorice.
0: Mhm. I do not. So salty black liquor sounds terrible. Mhm. Uh, there is a new delicacy. There isn't a whole lot known, actually. No, it's already a thing. I think it's Swedish.
1: Oh, interesting. Uh,
0: little, actually, maybe it's German. I don't know. It's a thing that exists already.
1: Yeah, someone has it in their culture.
0: Uh, little is known about the reproductive cycle of giant squids. I was going to ask that. Uh, the it's very very weird, and like <laughs> nobody has actually seen. Reproduction of a giant squid. But the gist of it seems kind of like the male has like a, a needle type thing and he just like sticks at whatever. And then the female okay. has a single ovary and she can just like call forth an egg from it whenever, I guess. Hmm. And then squid.
1: I feel like I've heard about this before.
0: Yeah, also the males have prehensile penises. So that's weird. N- no. That's weird.
1: <laughs> or when I want to pick up something and my hands are full.
0: <laughs> How? I am that's not so gonna weird. ask. Never mind. That's so weird. But that here, was,
1: hold my drink. That always rooted me out whenever I heard about that because I'm just like, that's just kind of freaky. It's like having a tail. You can on just like, like curl front. it up. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> now I don't have to tuck. I can just think it. God. This.
0: <sighs> the giant. When splines-
1: we it gets really weird. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Genitalia. Genitalia. The giant squid's brain is shaped like a donut. And this is super weird because its esophagus passes through the hole in its brain. So that would be like if your brain was in your neck and went around your throat. The problem being that it has to be very, very careful when swallowing because if something is too big and it's not broken down well enough, it can cause brain damage. Because it will rub against the brain. And to me, that sounds like a very big design flaw.
1: Oh my god. How have they survived this long? I, they learned to chew their food. <laughs> <laughs> really, really small mm-hmm. bites. But this one's so good. <clears throat> just like has like a little minor like hemorrhage.
0: I'm sure that there's probably some brain damaged squid around there from having problems with that. But that just, that seems like a... A, a large design flaw in the squid. Gosh. Who who designed Anything the squid? That you're gets fired? your brain
1: actively involved with stuff. Does not seem smart. No. Natural selection. Why? <laughs> like, I mean, clearly it's. Well, they don't have a lot them. of
0: predators. Yeah. But the, the predators they do have seems to be eating
1: a lot of them. Well, no wonder. I mean, they're all brain <laughs> Like no One of the whales when they're just like this thing one just flew straight to my mouth. Like I don't know. this worked out. <laughs>
0: Giant squid are widespread, occurring in all of the world's oceans. They are usually found near continental and island slopes from the North Atlantic Ocean, especially Newfoundland, Norway, and the Northern British Isles, Spain and the oceanic islands of the Azores and Madeira, to the South Atlantic around Southern Africa and North Pacific around Japan and the Southwestern Pacific around New Zealand and Australia. Specimens are rail, rail. They are rare in tropical and polar latitudes. Rare, but they're still there. Squid are everywhere. Mm. Squid are all around
1: you. We are squid. Squid
0: is inside you. It lives in (laughs) There are about 12 giant squid on display in museums and aquariums around the world. Just 12. Mm -hmm. And the Smithsonian actually has two of them. So they have one. Uh, they're, they're both in display at the National Museum of Natural History in the Ocean Hall. And I have actually seen both of these. Oh, okay. When I was there a million years ago. I think it was 2010 when I was there. But that feels like a million years ago. May as well be. And they have a 25-foot female, which was probably about 36-foot long when it was alive. Because it has shrunk significantly, being dead. Mm-hmm. And then they have a 9-foot male. I don't know how long, there wasn't an estimate for how big the male was when it was alive.
1: You know, shrinkage happens to all of us at some point. (laughs) Especially when you're dead. (laughs) The male is at the Smithsonian
0: on loan from the Coordinator for the Study and Protection of Marine Species. Uh, They specialize in recovery, conservation, and uh, dissemination of marine ecosystems and promote environmental education. Um, they also, it sounds like they specia- specialize in preserving squid specimens. Okay. It's very specific. Yeah. Squidcific. What a niche market. Yeah. But, I mean, they do lots of other things. But and that's in Spain. Oh, my God. And so that's where they are borrowing the squid from. <laughs> the first recorded mention of a giant squid is from Aristotle in the 4th century BC. Oh, yeah, Aristotle. my Boy. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, then we have one from Pliny the Elder, in, he mentions a gigantic squid in the first century AD, and then tales of giant squid have been common among sailors since ancient times. So, like, think back to, like, just, like, your general sea serpent, obviously, like, the kraken, um, things like, there's a thing called a sea monk. Sea monk? Where people basically thought that it was, like, a monk, like, a religious monk that lived in the sea, kind of like a mermaid. That was probably a colossal squid, because they're shaped similarly, I guess. The first photograph of a giant squid was taken in 1873. Newfoundland minister Moses Harvey acquired a dead specimen, which he laid out over his shower curtain rod and preserved for posterity. He purchased the specimen for just $10 from a few local fishermen who had ensnared it with their nets while out in Loggy Bay. And I have that picture
1: for you. And what was this one?
0: This was the very first picture ever taken of a giant squid And what he has done is he has draped it over his shower curtain Hmm. In his bathtub And so it kind of just looks like a
1: bunch of stringy legs all over Yeah, it does Looks like some sort of weird fabric that someone just laid over
0: yeah, it kind of looks like something that someone would have hung over a doorway in the seventies.
1: <laughs> beads. So before two
0: thousand four, no one had taken a picture of a living giant squid. They'd all been dead. September thirtieth, two thousand four, off the coast of Japan, using a line baited with shrimp, zoologist. Dude, I'll bite that line. <laughs> oh no, guys, we've got a giant. We've got a giant squid. Oh! It's been canceled. He it's just into a, a decker. We've caught a decker. <laughs>
1: just floundering.
0: Right, so September 30th, 2004, zoologist Tsunami Kubadira and well-watcher Kiyoshi Moira... <gasps> Kiyoshi? Not quite. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, they attracted a giant squid about 2,950 feet beneath their vessel, and they captured 500 still images um, taken by a submerged camera before the squid took off leaving behind an 18-foot severed tentacle. I couldn't find anywhere that said how its tentacle became severed. I am suspicious. hmm Because then, in 2006, Kubadira out, er, topped his 500 pictures by getting a videotape of a young female squid as they dragged her up to the surface... Didn't work out very well for the squid because it died right. while they were doing
1: this. Well, I'm assuming because of the pressure, right? The pressure it, difference. Is... I, I, maybe the squid got the bends. I don't know. Oh, it's it's brain.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, squid did not did not enjoy that. It it died in protest.
1: It and... died in protest. <laughs> you will not have me alive.
0: <laughs> then, in 2012, Dr. Witter, the founder of the Ocean Research and Conservation Association was part of a team of scientists that recorded the first video of a giant squid simi... Sim... Simulating? Swim- s- Simmying. Swimming okay. in its natural habitat off the coast of Japan. Mm. So for that expedition, she developed a new camera system called Medusa. It employs red light, which most sea creatures can't see, and then at the end of a mile-long plastic line, there's an optical lure in the form of a ring of LED lights that resemble a bioluminescent jellyfish. Squid eat a lot of the fish that prey on bioluminescent jellyfish. So when they see these jellyfish, they go over there cuz they're like, "Ooh, I can eat the things that want to eat that. Mmm, nom 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 nom." So the jelly like
1: jellyfish like jellyfish. The
0: jellyfish like appearance attracts the squid looking to catch, you know, catch some lunch. And this is, I thought was super cool. If a bioluminescent jelly finds itself under attack, it will issue a cry for help by flashing a distress signal (gasps) to attract a larger carnivore to eat or scare off its assailant. That's so cool! (laughs) Help! Help! SOS! That's so cool! Call I-X-I-I! That's like if you're you're being attacked by a, a Like a mountain lion. So you attracted a, a grizzly bear. And you just, bear.
1: like, put the bat signal, and you're like, help! And you're like, grizzly bear, help! <coughs> I am Man Bear Bay. Huh.
0: So then, the same the same, uh, Dr. Whiter, in June 2019, they captured another video using the Medusa camera, and this was a 10-foot juvenile giant squid, uh, and it, it, it attacked the camera for, like, 25 seconds before it swam away. Take that. And I do have that video to show you. Where's the money? Where's but before that, I want to show you some of these other pictures I have. So this... Let me make a bunch of noise while I turn this around. So this is the female squid. Okay. So you've got the arms here, and mm-hmm. then Those all, are the... like,
1: Those are tentacles. bunched
0: up are the tentacles, because they're much longer.
1: Uh-huh.
0: This is the male, you can see much smaller But still very large Large, large, large uh, This they are doing something to a dead one I can't tell if they're dissecting it or just taking measurements They've got it all spread out over a table and it's There's one, two, three, four, five, six people standing around it And there is still a lot of room around it lengthwise Because it's big
1: Was he laying down next to it? He's, yeah. He's so the and size of the this guy, I can't rem-
0: I can't remember what his name is, but he's a I think a like a a squid researcher from the Smithsonian. But he's I mean he's I don't know how tall he is, but he's a full grown man, and he's only about as long as the body of the squid.
1: Mm. There's
0: that beautiful photo op. <laughs> the eyeball. All right. So now we're gonna look at this video this is the tail
1: i like how your computer doesn't enter dark mode or nighttime mode
0: yeah i have it set for that so this video you can see the squid swim up to the thing it's weird because it's so dark down there Mm. so then all of a sudden it's like this tentacle or this arm just shoots out of nowhere And when all of its arms are together, it just looks like a line. And then suddenly they like separate,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and this this video just loops it, which I've watched it like five million times because it is very good loop.
1: So cool, but yeah, that's. But you can
0: see because it like wraps an arm around where it's like investigating, and it's like, what the fuck is this? This isn't a jellyfish.
1: You like And it actually me. gets
0: close enough to where you can see where all of the arms and the tentacles meet. And that's where its beak is. And it's... I don't know. It looks like a small area. I mean, it did say that this is a juvenile. And it's also... I mean, I don't know how far away this is, but... So you can see right there. Yeah. And then it goes away. Bye! So it's like, I don't think this is a jellyfish. I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, God. This is new. Jellyfish aren't cylindrical. But when it first, like, appears... And none of its arms or tentacles are spread out. It looks like an eel. Yeah, it does.
1: It's, it's, like, it's trippy. Like... Yeah, because I know, like, right here is the only time right? where it's just like one little. Uh huh. Oh, okay, that's good. Like, of it looks weird. like Flotsam oh, Jetsam. Whoa. actually, it looks like it was all together. Yeah, like, it was like completely. Linear, just kind of. Uh huh. Like...
0: It was so weird. Yeah.
1: It's kind of freaky. And you can
0: see all of its little suckers there. It's a. I definitely recommend looking up this video.
1: Well, he pees out there fast.
0: Yeah, he was only there for about 25 seconds. And I definitely go look it up. It's really, really cool. Super easy to find. Just Google 2019 giant squid video. Boom. Yep. And that's that's my fun facts about the giant squid. Nice. I thought it was super interesting.
1: It is very interesting. Um, yeah, it always fascinates me when... Um, when... You have creatures that, by design, don't make sense, but somehow they fucking make it. Yeah. It gives you a lot of hope. It's like an inspirational poster.
0: If a squid can do it, so can you. If, the
1: squid, if, if a squid, squid can exist. If it can eat without getting brain damage, so can you. That's <laughs> asking a lot for some people. <laughs> I tend to eat while punching myself in the face. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: That makes me think of Airplane, was like, I have a drinking problem. And he just throws water in his face.
1: Yeah. No, what a good joke. Dude, that movie is that all That is just such jokes. a good
0: movie. I love that movie like,
1: so
0: much. I, I've heard... So what do you like, make of it? Where what can you make of this? Don't call me a Shirley. A t-shirt? A pterodactyl? I, oh God, that movie's so good.
1: Yeah. That's where the, the first time I heard my dad say, like, don't call me Shirley. And, like, I listened to that. I watched that. I was like, that's where that joke's from. <sighs> all right. All right. Shall
0: we roll for the next
1: episode? We shall. And maybe...
0: I have a curated set of Chessex Borealis dice, where I have one of each Dude. of the various colors because they are so pretty. I didn't want to have I didn't want a set of each color, but I wanted to have some of each color, so I made one set with all of them.
1: What was that um, movie that had to do with the Aurora Borealis and be able to talk through time? I had I think I had Bruce Willis. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I'll have to look at that. Let's see. Um radio future uh that sounds
0: like vaguely like interstellar.
1: But Bruce Wallace was not in that. It's not interstellar. It's moved from the well, that also- frequency. Oh, frequency. I've never seen it's, that It's um someone has like a thing a ham radio or something like that. And they're able to talk to their son in the future, and the, and the son's able to talk back to them, and trying to save their dad from like a murderer. That sounds oh, sorry. like... A... Oh damn it! I did it again. I confused someone else with Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Is that who's not Bruce no, Willis? Normally, I confuse Harrison Ford with Dennis Quaid, and then I just confuse Bruce Willis with Dennis <laughs> Quaid. <laughs>
0: very specific problem to have. I don't know I why. did it again. I
1: always forget, like, he was, Dennis Quaid was also in, like, a horror movie and I always thought it was Bruce Willis.
0: Which horror movie?
1: Uh, it's one where, like, the girl, um, she gets sedated and she's in the bathtub and she can't move she gets paralyzed. Um, uh, let's see. I'll look up Desquade horror movie. I was
0: gonna say, if there's a small boy and he can see dead people, that's actually Bruce no. Willis.
1: <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> horror movie. Um, that was a weird It wasn't a horseman
0: because I didn't realize that Haley Joel Osment was in the Ted Bundy movie and when he showed up I I looked at him for like 20 minutes I was I, I know that face I've seen this person before and John was like he looks super familiar and 20 minutes later I went that's the sixth sense kid and John lost his mind he was like oh my god I can't unsee that now I was like well that's because it's the same person
1: it's Harrison Ford! Damn it! I did it again! No! <Dennis> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. All right, well... They all merged together. I, yeah. That's a... look, Because yeah. she can barely move her toe, and so she can't move it, so she's going to That's Jodie Foster? Uh, oh, that's, she just left her foot up, and then she just dropped it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so, what have we learned here today? Decker has confused Harrison Ford...
0: Decker doesn't um, know who Bruce Willis is.
1: Uh, is Bruce Willis. And who's the other one? Dennis Quaid. No, 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 not Dennis Quaid. There was another one. Because it was uh, a frequency that Han had. Oh, I guess it was just
0: Dennis Quaid. Yes. <laughs> who else am I forgetting? That's oh, Dennis Quaid. Oh, yeah. I remember when Dennis Quaid
1: was in that movie with I, mean, I love Dennis Quaid as <laughs> Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was Bruce Willis. Oh, oh, that's right. Shit. <laughs> All right.
0: Oh, I got a six. got
1: a six, so that is... Entertainment.
0: entertainment.
1: Yeah. Okay, and then I'm actually going to be stealing Kate's dice because I was a naughty boy and I forgot my dice, so uh, now I actually have to learn what the numbers are.
0: You also got a six. That is entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to roll to see who re-rolls?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, because... I know that we just talked about what I might do with entertainment, but it's fine. Um, let's go ahead and uh, oh, do you have another D eight? No, I have it's a D four. Okay, uh, just highest. So this is going.
0: Oh, um, do you want to be one and two, and I'll be three and four?
1: Sure. I don't have a D four. It's a
0: three. Okay, so I will roll. Cool. Oh, son of a bitch!
1: <laughs> six! No, we summoned Satan! Oh my, oh my God! Gosh. It's another six! Oh my gosh! Is it weighted? Like okay, there's the wild. Okay. There we go. Lord. <laughs> six. Lord. Six. It reminds me of that time when I was doing So Star many Finder. sixes. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, no. Because it no. was a six
0: when it fell on the ground, too, so wasn't yeah. it? And I was like, no. Three
1: sixes in a row. Lord. Six.
0: Lord, Lord, Six. No, six. that was four, four sixes in a row. Because well, yeah, I rolled four. one, then you rolled one, then the floor rolled one, then I rolled another one, and mm. then I got an eight.
1: Stupid floor Getting involved. All right. Well, entertainment and wild. Wild.
0: Neat. Welcome. No. Yep.
1: Come back nope. next time to figure out who Dennis Quaid
0: is. <laughs> <laughs> Come back next week to find out what the fuck we're talking about. Bye! Bye.
1: If you've got something to say,
0: find us on anchor at anchor.fm slash wtfpod Email us at wtf.podcast.mail at gmail.com Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at podcast. That's W-T-F-A-Y-T-A, our acronym, podcast. Our music was by Decker Hinckley, and our artwork was by Kirby Morfitt.